The holidays, by which I mean Christmas and all those other fake ones, are just around the corner. And that means it's time for the Andrew Clavin Show's official gift guide for Democrats. That's right. There are probably some Democrats in your family or among your former friends or just people you've met during your charitable prison visits. And you're thinking to yourself, in this season of giving and charity, how can I cheer up the humiliated suckers in my life after a bruising election in which they lost so hilariously that it's difficult not to mock their agony? even as they sit in a puddle of their own tears. So, allow us to make some gift suggestions that will make this Christmas a joy, even for those people who came this close to victory only to have the rug pulled out from under them so suddenly at the last minute. It was as if God himself were punishing them for their arrogant attempt to morally and politically pervert their own country. Punishing them and then laughing at them and then punishing them more and laughing more. For your Uncle Bob or Aunt Nell, or Uncle Nell, since these are Democrats and who the hell knows, you might try Apple's Magic Mirror app. This download for your Mac or iPad works through your camera to give Uncle Bob a picture of himself, which then, through the miracle of technology, is suddenly hitting the kisser with her tremendous pie while an electric voice says the word loser over and over again. For an extra $1.99, the app will then shove a giant crow in your uncle's mouth and make him eat it. For $2.99, I'll do it myself. Your good Democrat friend Mike might like a desk calendar with a different quote from Hillary Clinton on every page so he can keep his favorite candidate on his mind every single day of next year. For instance, on January 1st, the calendar reads, it was a vast right-wing conspiracy. On the 2nd, there were no classified documents on my private server. On the 3rd, the Benghazi killings were caused by a YouTube video. Then every day after that, it just says, I lost, over and over again. Your friend will love it. Finally, on a more serious note, you may find that some of the Democrats in your life have been deeply disturbed by the events of 2016. They may exhibit signs of depression and even become deranged or delusional and begin babbling irrational things like the climate is in crisis or the rich aren't paying their fair share or I'm a good person because Democrat policies help the poor. Obviously, these are people who may be sensitive to even the most lighthearted teasing and in the Christian spirit, you wouldn't want to make fun of them until you're safely behind their backs. For these sensitive souls, I suggest a good book to soothe their minds, like Stronger Together by Hillary Clinton and Tim Kaine. If they protest that you're too generous, just tell them it was on sale for 17 cents, which the publisher paid you as thanks for taking the book off their hands. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Claven, and this is The Andrew Claven Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is a bitty zing. It's a wonderful day, hurrah, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray, oh, hooray, hurrah. Hurrah, hooray, it's another of the 12 days. Do we have something new on there? I can't tell. What is it? A geese lane. A geese lane. <laughs> oh, that could have been filthy, but it's actually pretty good. All right. <laughs> Austin has a clean mind. All right. For those of you that, listen, a little public service here. For those of you who are wondering, how can I pay more? taxes to the government. One way is to get caught in a speed trap. This way, you know, they come and they, they don't have to actually tax you. They just pretend you were doing something wrong when you were really traveling perfectly safely. We don't want you to drive too fast, but to keep you from getting caught in these traps, and they do set these traps all over, we want to tell you about Rocky, <coughs> pardon me, <coughs> Rocky Mountain Radar. This is a scrambling technology uh, 
that has been was invented by a guy named Mike who used to work in the defense industry. What he did was he built the boxes that would scramble missiles so that if you sent a missile after a jet, the missile would get lost. This is the kind of stuff he was building. And it suddenly occurred to him, hey, this would work on radar. I can scramble radar in the same way. Now, this stuff is, is so good, and Rocky Mountain Radar is offering 50% off their best products. You have to go to RockyMountainRadar.com slash Andrew. The slash Andrew is important. They'll know I sent you, and they will give you 50% off. This is the best technology in the industry. You know, we some of these guys get hit. Uh, Rocky Mountain gets hit by some uh, hate bombs. This happens to me, too, with my book. Sometimes people don't like me, so they'll say bad things about it. So we have checked and double-checked this thing. It, it is really a good, good piece of machinery, and they back it up. Here's how they back it up. When you register your device with Rocky Mountain Radar, you qualify for their ticket rebate program. If you get a ticket within the first year of owning the Scrambler, Rocky Mountain Radar will pay your ticket. It's amazing. They will pay the ticket. Now, that's not if you're going like 150 miles an hour, because then, first of all, you're dead, so it doesn't really matter. And second of all, that's not the point. A cop can look at you going 150 miles an hour. The thing that this does, the thing that Rocky Mountain Radar does, is it not just it doesn't just tell you where the cop is. It scrambles his radar so that he can't get a read before you can slow down. Okay, so you know he's where he is. You tap the brake, you get yourself into a, you know, into the right speed, and he can't get a reading on you because of what this thing does. So they're going to give you 50% off. They're going to pay your ticket in the first year if you get a ticket. Plus, it has it has a warranty that goes on for like ever. I think I can't remember. I don't want to say it because I can't remember the exact amount of time that they give you for the warranty. So, but you can go to RockyMountainRadar.com slash Andrew. You will get 50% off the best scramblers and detectors available. They're American-made. And if you think about how much it costs to get a ticket, I, 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 won't, I don't like to say that I've gotten just a few of them from traveling perhaps a little too fast. And it's really, really annoying. Not only is it incredibly expensive, if you don't want to pay it, you have to go into these uh, these yeah. lesson, it's like being a, it's like being in prison on your own computer. It really is. Yeah. It's like just like being in prison. So instead of that, go to. <laughs> it's so annoying. So instead of that, go to RockyMountainRadar.com/Andrew. You will get fifty percent off the top of the line stuff. People love these things. It is stealth technology for your car, built for jets, but works in your car. All right, it's Mailbag Eve. It's, you know, the holy eve of mailbag. What, what kind of a dull yay was that? God, you guys are, like, so <laughs> like awful. We got to go yoo-hoo, woo-hoo, something. I don't know. Anyway, the point is that if you send in your questions today, if you are a subscriber to The Daily Wire, you can send in your questions today. We will answer them tomorrow. Answers guaranteed. There you, she yeah. is. <laughs> The only, she's the only person who ever cared about me, and now she's gone. Uh, <laughs> you send in your questions. The answers are guaranteed, a hundred percent correct, and ninety. What is it? Ninety-eight point five percent. Yeah, I think guaranteed to change your life. I like to get those numbers uh, right, but they will change your life possibly for the better. I think it's about two percent <laughs> guaranteed to change for the better. But we will answer all your questions. All right. Rex Tillerson. We should, I feel like we should say that like Ed Sullivan. Rex Tillerson. Yeah. The best thing about Rex Tillerson was Trump's, uh, the man Trump has now named to be Secretary of State after a long apprentice-like uh, you know, contest. He, this is the head of ExxonMobil. 
which I think is a company actually larger than the United States. So he's actually yeah. been, this is actually a step down for him to be Secretary of State of the United States. Uh, what, the best thing about Rex Tillerson is that he has a name like a private eye, right? And I think he's like, my name is Rex Tillerson, and you may be wondering how I got into a situation like this. But let us hear Trump's explanation of why he thought a businessman would be the best choice. Why does a business executive make sense as the chief diplomat? Well, in his case, he's much more than a business executive. I mean, he's a world-class player. He's in charge of, I guess, the largest company in the world. He's in charge of a, an oil company that's pretty much double the size of his next nearest competitor. It's been a company that's been unbelievably managed. And to me, a great advantage is he knows many of the players. And he knows him well. He does massive deals in Russia. He does massive deals for the company. Okay, so, so of course, the left's reaction, as it has been to every Trump appointment, is absolute hysteria, absolute wild hysteria. How can he—he's a CEO. How can he be—you know, how, he has no diplomatic— um, he has no diplomatic experience, on and on and on. And, of course, it's the big thing is the ties with Russia. He has done massive deals with Russia because, of course, Russia has a lot of oil. And he has been against the sanctions that were imposed on Russia for their Crimean uh, incursion. And he has said they didn't work and all this stuff. And he won a friendship medal. So everybody now – these are the Democrats, remember. The Democrats who have been kowtowing to uh, Vladimir Putin for 20 years at least. I mean, they've been – and. Obama has just bobbled the ball. And by the way, so did George W. Bush. He was the one who looked in, you know, uh, Putin's eyes and said he saw his soul or his heart. Or I looked in his eyes, I saw his heart, which had to be a mistake because Putin doesn't really have one. And, you know, but that doesn't make that doesn't make this right. So let me tell you why I am personally worried. This is the first pick that Trump has made that I'm slightly worried about, but not for the reasons people are saying. Tillerson does business overseas and he works for this huge company, which is the size of a country, this company is the size of you know some of some of the larger countries in terms of the money it's dealing with and the uh, deals it's making, and he has to deal with people who have who have the oil. So here here is Tillerson talking about that in a 2013 interview. Uh, this is the first Tillerson cut. You know, when you're in the countries that we conduct mm -hmm. business in, and the countries where we need to be because they are resource-rich countries. Uh, we're in a lot of countries where the geopolitics are complex, and part of our risk management and my risk management responsibilities is to understand that, uh, to develop important relationships, and at the end of it, as no surprise, all things come down to your personal relationships uh, in any country when you're going to make significant commitments. You have to look the head of state of that country eyeball to eyeball and say to them, I'm going to make this commitment. Now I'm counting on you to meet your commitments because the, I will be here a long time. And over the course of the time that I'm here, there will come a day when we'll have disagreements and things won't be going the way you want them or they won't be going the way I want them. And you're asking them to do what? That I have their personal commitment that they'll stand behind their side of the bargain. Mm -hmm. And that's all I can ask. I know the deal I'm entering into. I've accepted it. You've accepted it. The only thing I can ask, we can ask of each other now is that we will always honor this deal. Okay. So the, obviously the take on this is that he is going to be too friendly to Vladimir Putin, who has been running rings around the Obama administration, has made Obama look like a complete idiot in Syria, which we will get back to, and 
just in general, is a terrible, terrible person. The argument is that this, you know, I know it sounds a little like the godfather, but this is business. The guy is the CEO of ExxonMobil. There's lots and lots of oil in Russia that he has to get his hands on and he has to deal with. And so he goes over and he makes relationships with these guys. This is uh, Priebus, right? Reince Priebus was going out there for Trump this morning on MSNBC, I think. His, here is his argument for Tillerson, first cut. Does Donald Trump have confidence no, in sorry, America's intelligence? It's, it's the first cut of the new three cuts. It's called Reince Priebus on Tillerson. Do you have that? Oh, the yeah, that's right. At the end, it was a massive, um, you know, it was chemistry, it was presence, mm -hmm. it was vision. It was also the ability that Rex Tillerson had to maintain relationships across the world in many places that aren't the easiest places to have relationships in during many different administrations so obviously he's very good uh, at being a diplomat and you know someone like him is a diplomat that uh, that happens to be able to drill oil and the good lord didn't put oil in all freedom loving democracies across the world and yet rex tillerson was able to make this work um and donald trump and rex tillerson um they hit it off, and they have a, a similar vision of how to get yeah. things done, and that's really what did it, Will. So is this guy suspect? Well, of course, we don't know. See, the thing is, the guy has no—there's no record of his foreign policy ideas. All his ideas are business ideas, or what's good for ExxonMobil. And, of course, everybody's jumping on this, and this is the news cycle. Everybody's got to have an opinion right away, but we don't— really know what he thinks in terms of American policy. He did make one comment that he was against the sanctions, and here's uh, Priebus explaining, trying to explain away that comment. This is the second one of the new ones. Well, what he said was that the sanctions were ineffective, but the reason they were ineffective was that they weren't being enforced. And so his point was, unless you're going to enforce these sanctions, they're not effective, and people are looking at the, the first part of that statement and not the second. Look, I know where Rex Tillerson is on this. He believes that sanctions and the threat of sanctions are an important part of international strategy and diplomacy. And so he's not against sanctions. I just want to assure you of that. But what he is against is setting up sanctions that aren't uh, enforced. He was not for the Iran deal, by the way, um, and he was very clear about it. He didn't think that that was a good product, and he didn't think it would put America first, and ultimately that's what it's all about. President-elect Trump wakes up every day, put America first, Americans first, and this is what he's thinking about, and I think with the whole team that's being put together, we're going to have an extraordinary cabinet that can represent the United States across the world. Okay, so the, the, the final thing, the question then becomes, how does Trump feel about the sanctions, right? And here's the Priebus's non-answer on this. Here's what I would tell you. If you're going to have sanctions in place, they need to be enforced. That, I, I can tell you for sure, is something that he believes in. And as far as where that product goes next, you have to just wait and see. I mean, we're just getting our cabinet put together now. And as I think President-elect outlined many times over the last six weeks, sitting down with our generals, sitting down with our leadership, formulating our policy and revealing that to the American people will be the first order of business. Okay, so I'm going to tell you, see, what everybody's complaining about is that this guy's going to be too friendly to Russia. That's not my problem as of this moment, and I will explain what my problem is. But first, got to say goodbye to the folks at Facebook and YouTube. 
Come on over to thedailywire.com and subscribe so you can have your question in the mailbag, and then all your problems will be solved. Now, let's not make any mistakes about who Vladimir Putin is. And people keep using these words, he's a butcher, and he's a, you know, but this is a guy who, you know, even forget about the KGB background and all this stuff. This is a guy who got into power by bombing people, uh, by um, when, when, the, uh, when they would do investigations. If you were like on the panel investigating the bombing that he, he did, suddenly you got hit by a car, suddenly you ate the cupcake with the uranium in it, you know, it's like with the surprise uranium in it. I mean, this is a murderer. This is a stone cold killer. And the problem is, the problem is not that a, a bus- the head of ExxonMobil does business with him. Of course he does. Of course he does. That's to be absolutely expected. The problem with Tillerson is not Tillerson. It's Trump. The problem with Tillerson is all this stupid stuff that Trump said during the election about about Vladimir Putin. You know, when they pe- pointed out to him that he had murdered people, Trump said, oh, well, we murdered people too, you know, that, uh, that kind of thing. You know, he just kind of shrugged this stuff off. And when he would talk about Syria, you know, I just, I, I, I lifted a cutoff at random because every time he talked about Syria, he was talking absolute nonsense. Do we have the Trump cut on, uh, on Syria? Yeah, play this one. I view ISIS as very important. And I love the fact that Russia is hitting ISIS. And as far as I'm concerned, they've got to continue to hit ISIS. But you know what Russia is doing in Syria. Russia is hitting hitting the groups that we're backing. Sure. And why are we backing the group? We don't even know who those people are. I speak to generals. They're saying we're giving billions of dollars of equipment to people. We have no... Here we go again. We're giving all of this money and all of this equipment to people. We have no idea who they are. They're probably worse than Assad. I mean, Assad's no baby. He's not good. But... Who are the people that we're backing? Here we go you again know with Libya. That's President Obama's argument. Yeah. Well, I we think don't that's know good. who the weapons you know, will I mean, fall into whose hands. We have no idea. Well, why is he doing that? I mean, he's giving them a lot of weaponry. And we're backing people that want to knock out Assad. Russia and Iran, which is now a power, we've made them a power, they're backing Assad. We've got to get rid of ISIS. We've got to get rid of the people that but are chopping s- off everybody's head. You say you have have a good relationship with Putin or would have a good relationship? I think with- I would have a very good relationship, but, but who knows? So- Okay, so it's stuff like this he said again and again and again. That's all nonsense. I mean, remember, by the way, just just to, to, uh, on hypocrisy watch, remember when Obama said that he was going to make a deal with Vladimir Putin to fight ISIS in Syria? Every single mainstream news show said, oh, yeah, this is like FDR making a deal with Stalin to fight Hitler. Oh, yeah, it's brilliant, brilliant strategy. Well, you know, not so much, okay, because what Putin does is what Putin has said is, oh, yeah, I'm going to go in there and fight ISIS. Because, you know, ISIS is, uh, is one of the powers trying to overthrow Assad, who is a butcher and a killer. And he's just an Ara- Iranian, uh, you know, strongman. He's an Iranian plant, essentially. But there are also rebels who are trying to overturn this guy. And what Putin has done is he has destroyed these rebels. Now, look, when they call them moderate rebels, Trump is right about this. I don't know how moderate they are. I know that they're better than ISIS, and I know that they have a right to overthrow a tyrant in their own country. These are the guys who are dying in Aleppo. These are the guys that they're dropping these horrible barrel bombs on that are filled with chlorine. You know, it's 10,000 children have died in this battle. Ten, I mean, picture, uh, if you have a child, picture your child. If you've been a child, picture that child. 
10,000 times they've been murdered in, the, in this thing. You know, there's a journalist who was broadcasting uh, from, uh, from Aleppo. He sent out a last, this was, I mean, it, it really is sad. You know, this is a, a, a Muslim journalist uh, broadcasting Bilal Abdul Karim. He sent this out on Twitter uh, yesterday. I am not coming to you at this time as uh, a representative of on the ground news. I'm coming to you as an average person uh, here in besieged Aleppo. Um, we may not be able to send any more messages as regime forces push closer and closer. Uh, the airstrikes become more intense, if there's even such a thing as that. And um, so this might be uh, close to, if not the last communication. Um, if that is the case, I did want everybody to know, uh, us at uh, OGN, we really, really appreciate all of the support and the effort that people have given us. If we're able to continue that, then we're going to be doing that. If we don't make it out of besieged Aleppo, OGN is going to continue, and they're going to continue to bring you news from on the ground here in Syria that you can trust. And finally, I would like to say to the Muslim Ummah uh, that is out there, uh, guys, you dropped the ball on this one. You know, uh, you know, Erdogan, nice recitation of Quran, but you really blew it this time. You really, really had an opportunity to be the hero, flying here with a cape and help out these poor people um, with your troops just 25 kilometers away. But you blew it. So the, the Muslim Ummah is the Muslim community, and he's saying that that's a guy looking death in the face and telling the people that they left them there. They left them there. They had their armies there, and Obama left them there. There's just no question about it. This is where Obama talked about the red line. If Assad used chemical weapons, Assad used chemical weapons. Suddenly, Obama was, I didn't draw a red line. This was where, you know, he was talking about ISIS. Oh, they're the JV team. You know, they're not Kobe Bryant. You know, we we can't be involved in every, uh, in every siege and every battle and all this stuff. He left the people alone. And the thing about Aleppo falling is at the same time Aleppo is falling, Palmyra, which is also in Syria, is being taken over by ISIS. And the reason it's being taken over by ISIS is because Vladimir Putin doesn't care about ISIS. He's not fighting ISIS. He's just propping up Assad. If, if ISIS were threatening Assad, he would be fighting ISIS. But he's fighting these other rebels, guys that we, that Saudi Arabia, at least, can support, who might be, we don't know who they are, but they might be a little bit better than ISIS or Assad. These are two, those are two bad guys fighting each other. Believe me, Putin doesn't care which one of them wins. And that's what makes this sudden shock that the Democrats are screaming about. That's what makes it so comical that they, they have just totally, totally lost this the reason, the reason is, by the way, Obama didn't want to screw up the deal with Iran, the nuclear deal with Iran. That, he thinks, is his legacy, and it's going to be, but not the way he thinks it is. And that it was his legacy, so he didn't want to screw that up. He didn't want to offend Iran by getting in, stepping in, and defending the people of Syria. 10,000 children dead. He didn't want to get, you know, stop that because he didn't want to mess up his stupid and bad Iranian deal. And it's nice to know, at least, that Tillerson is against that deal because that deal is a nightmare, and that's what's going to come down the line. So so that's what makes all this stuff about the Russian hack of the Democrats so ridiculous. And if you want to see ridiculous, this is the man I think should be made the voice of the Democrat Party. Keith Olbermann is back, courtesy of GQ. So anytime you're buying Gentleman's Quarterly, you can think, think Keith Olbermann. This is the voice of the Democrat Party writ large. Listen to Keith Olbermann react to this hack by, by the way, as I said yesterday, we knew about this hack already. The only difference is that now some unnamed official has told the Washington Post and the New York Times that he knows, he knows that 
the motive here was to elect Trump, which I just don't believe. I just don't believe you can possibly know that and that this guy knows it. I just believe he's talking politics, basically, to the Pravdas of the Democrat Party. But listen to Keith Olbermann. This is what the Democrats sound like to me all the time. We are at war with Russia. <laughs> or perhaps more correctly, we have lost a war with Russia without a battle. We are no longer a sovereign nation. We are no longer a democracy. We are no longer a free people. We are the victims of a bloodless coup, so far a bloodless coup, engineered by Russia with, at best, the traitorous indifference of the Republican Party and Donald John Trump, a man who, to borrow a phrase from another December long ago, will live in infamy. In five weeks' time, unless desperate measures are taken, we will hand over the government to a man who lost the popular vote by more than Woodrow Wilson or Jimmy Carter won it, a man whom the Russians wanted to run our country for them, a man whom the Russians got to run our country for them, a man for whom the Russians interfered with our elections, which if we did it to another country would be described as an act of war. And in this country, we have conceded defeat. <laughs> I love the guy, but that's what all the Democrats sound like to me at this point. You know, I was watching CNN, and one of their chief senior political correspondents comes on and says, what a week it's been, this amazing news. This is no news. This is no news. They say, oh, well, you know, Mitch McConnell says he's going to start an investigation. They're already investigating the hack of the Russians. It's, that's not news at all. There is no news. There is just this anonymous guy Tell, you know, slipping a story, a politically motivated story to the Washington Post and the New York Times, that they are just accepting this story as true. Everybody, the entire news media is lit up like a, a lamp. They're accepting this story as true, and there's no reason. There's no reason to. It's an anonymous source saying that he knows the motive of Vladimir Putin uh, hacking the DNC, and that was to get Trump elected. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. It didn't. It didn't do it. All of this, all of this is because the Democrat parties got nothing. They have been completely undercut. Because remember, Trump is the least of it. I mean, Trump is the most shocking part of their victory, but they lost everywhere. They lost everywhere. There are these little blue islands. They talk about their majority, their popular majority. All of those people live on little blue islands. One earthquake in California, and her majority is gone out to sea. You know, that's it. One little tremor. I hope I survive, but the, <laughs> the Hillary Clinton majority will disappear if there is an earthquake in California, basically. And here, here's the thing. They're trying to delegitimize them. They have this whole thing with the electors now. This is amazing. Now uh, John Podesta is saying, oh, the electors should be given security briefings so they can see what's going on before they take their big vote on the 19th. Now, at first I was thinking about that. I was worrying about this. But I read an article by Jeff Greenfeld. Greenfield, the uh, old CNN guy, old tennis partner of mine as well, a very, very, very bright guy. Uh, not a great tennis player, but <laughs> a very bright guy. And he wrote a novel where the electors became faithless and changed their minds. And he says it's impossible. Uh, not impossible, but he says the idea that this could turn the election is huge because it's not just the electors have to decide. The electors' choices have to be ratified by a state official. The state official's choice has to be ratified by the Senate and the House, if one senator and one representative file a protest in writing, then the House has to go and debate it. Uh, they, the House has a vote where each state gets one vote. It, it ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. So that's not the idea. I, I think the idea, I mean, it's 2016, anything can happen, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think the idea is just to delegitimize this presidency because they've got 
nothing. They've got no ideas. They've got no bench. They've got nothing. And the reason they have nothing is because Barack Obama has left them in the lurch. He has failed. His second term has been an utter failure. I mean, he's, he's passed no laws. He has done everything with a pen and a phone, which can be erased with a pen and a phone. The Middle East is going up in smoke. But he's popular. People love him, and they love his cool, and they love his charm, and all this stuff. And this is all he's got. He was on talking to Trevor Noah yesterday. And l listen to this. This is like, for me, the last the last sight we're going to get of uh, Barack Obama is still complaining about this. Listen to this. My general theory uh, is that if I was clear in my own mind about who I was, comfortable in my own skin, and had clarity about the way in which race continues to be this powerful factor in so many elements of our lives, but that it is not the only factor in so many aspects of our lives, that uh, we have by no means overcome the legacies of slavery and Jim Crow and colonialism and racism, but that the progress we've made has been real and extraordinary. Uh -huh. uh, if I'm communicating my genuine belief that um, those who are not uh, subject to racism uh, can sometimes have blind spots or uh, lack appreciation of what it feels to be on the receiving end of that, but that doesn't mean that they're not open to learning and uh, caring about equality and justice and that I can uh, win them over because there's goodness in the majority of people. If I, I always felt that if I really knew that and I just communicated it as, as clearly as I could, that I'd be okay. <laughs> Thank you, Obama. Thank you for teaching us so much. And now he returns the chariots of the Lord, come down and carry him back up whence he came into the heavens. This arrogant man who thinks that we're still a country filled with racists as opposed to humanity having racism in it. You know, this arrogant, arrogant guy who has made our relationships between the races worse. He has made the crime in the country worse by taking over police forces with the federal government. He has corrupted the federal government. He has left the economy struggling when it should have been booming. It's booming now because everybody knows he's going to leave. And yet he has still retained the affection of the people. And that's why the Democrats are caught off guard. They didn't realize it wasn't his policies. It was all him. And now he's gone. On and they've got nothing to replace him. They, he got the people to love him. Good for him. He's a good politician. I get it. But he never cared about the party. He only cared about his ideology ideology, and now they're gone. So we're going to hold our fire on Tillerson on this show. I'm, I'm concerned about him right now more because of Trump's uh, ignorance and foolishness when it comes to Vladimir Putin. I kind of think that Tillerson may be a lot smarter about Putin than he seems. He's done business with him. He knows who he is. I don't think he is going to be a sop. I don't think he's going to be a pushover the way George W. Bush was and the way Trump sometimes sounds like he might be. All right, stuff I like for Christmas. I have to stop and say every year around this time, 
I pour myself a glass of scotch and sit up and watch a couple of Hallmark movies about Christmas. If I don't watch Hallmark, it's Lifetime. These are movies made for women that are, every single one of them is exactly the same. Here, here is a, a trailer from one of the Hallmark ones. Hallmark Channel presents one of the 12 new original movies of Christmas. Magic stars grant my wish tonight. They're complete opposites. You brought a cowboy for Christmas. But the spirit of the season. Christmas is about being with the people you love. Will bring them together. You crazy cowboy. It's important to spend Christmas with the ones you love. One starry Christmas. <laughs> they're always they're either complete opposites or she works too hard is the other one. She works she works too hard and they've always, she's always got an older sister or her mother who just is desperate for her to get married and she's always you know it's the same story and I find them absolutely mesmerizing because you know men don't know anything about women you know we don't we we're they're always kind of a mystery to us but it's like staring into a woman's daydream. They have no they have no they have no uh, what what what's the word narrative tension. There's no narrative tension. Like the worst thing that happens is they're supposed to meet on one corner and the guy gets the corner wrong so she thinks they're broken up and then they have this, you know, that's that's the low that's the low part of the story. And then it turns out, no, he actually was just at the wrong corner by accident. They are, they are amazing. And in some ways, not to get too uh, serious about it, but in some ways they're the exact opposite of a good Christmas story because they're about somebody getting what she wants. She gets the love that she wants. And that actually is not what the Christmas story is all about. If you want to find out what the Christmas story is really all about, read O. Henry's Gift of the Magi. Everybody's heard of it, but nobody reads it. It's only like three pages, four pages long. It is one of the great Christmas stories of all time. There are not many great Christmas stories. O. Henry was a wonderful writer with surprise endings. The Gift of the Magi is the opposite of the Hall. It's the anti-Hallmark movie. All right, tomorrow is the mailbag. Subscribe now. Ask your questions now. You can ask about anything you want. Ah, my God. <laughs> ask about anything you want. You can ask about politics. You can ask about religion. You can ask about personal life. We already matched one couple. We don't know how it turned out. I'm, I'm worried that their bodies are going to turn up so, <laughs> with their hands clutching each other's throats. But maybe it'll work out. We don't know. We'll do, we will improve your life if you just ask your questions on the mailbag. Be here for that tomorrow. I'm Andrew. Andrew Clavin. This is The Andrew Clavin Show.